He was like, man, how have you been? And I was like, I hate that I'm about to say this, but I, I literally said this to him. I was like, I don't know what else to say, but like, I've been really good, but man, I've been busy. And the truth is, I, I think that, one, I think that speaks to the culture that we live in, because across like socioeconomic status, across, um, you know, just, it doesn't matter, class, gender, age, you can talk to high school students. I've been a high school pastor and talked to them, and they will tell you how busy they are, which is laughable um, now. But at that time, I thought I was busy. You talk to college students. You talk to young adults. You talk to adults. You talk to someone who's retired, and oftentimes the answer is that we're, we're busy, right? And I think that we have bought into this um, cultural narrative that slow is a negative, Right? You don't really have to look any further. Like the Merriam-Webster uh, definition of slow is mentally dull, stupid, naturally inert or sluggish, lacking in readiness, promptness, or willingness. We don't think slow is a good thing in our culture. Right? We describe someone who may have a low IQ as slow. We describe bad service at a restaurant as the service was slow. We Hopefully you don't curse at the driver in front of you for driving too slow, right? Um, slow is just not something that we value in our culture. And I think the reason we respond that we're so busy is because a little piece of us, and I will admit this for myself anyways, is scared to think that if I don't show that I am busy and keeping up with the speed at which culture is setting, that somehow it will come across or someone will perceive that he must be lazy because he's not just absolutely packed to the gills, busy. And that is a lie of the enemy. And, and real quick, before we continue for tonight, I just want to make sure that we define hurry because hurry is, and Weston and I were talking about this yesterday, in this book, and tonight I'm going to talk about the book some, um, but also I'm going to just kind of give some perspective that some stuff that I got from the book so if you haven't read it you're not going to feel out at all hopefully um, it will just encourage you to maybe pick up the book read through it it's an easy read um, but in this in this book I feel like hurry is kind of used as this catch-all for like busyness anxiety fear even materialism distraction uh, so hurry is kind of the root for a lot of those things um, so I don't want you to just hear hurry tonight and just think, oh, well, just like fast pace. But it, it really encapsulates a lot. Um, and the thing is, is that I also want to make this distinction before we kind of dive in, is that there is a positive form of busyness. Like if you just have a lot to do, but you're pouring yourself out for the right things, I think that's a positive. By that definition, Jesus himself would have been busy, right? But the busyness that we're talking about tonight is not having a lot to do. It's having so much to do that you can't keep up. It's having too much to do. It's running yourself ragged at this pace that you just cannot sustain for very long. So I just want to kind of set that out at the onset because if we don't do that, um, I think we could probably have some confusion. We have to have similar definitions there. So, so Corey Tim Boom had this quote. She said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you 
busy. Anyone ever heard that before? Yeah? Common, common thing that we've, we've heard. And, and so I think in today's world, I think oftentimes the attack of the, the enemy is less, and, and I don't want to downplay um, any significant event. I know we've all had these big significant events in our lives and these things that really feel like, man, that is, there's a spiritual warfare aspect of that. But I think oftentimes it comes in the form of like the notification that pops up whenever you go to sit down. It comes in the form of the email that comes in at the most like untimely um, moment. When you sit down at dinner, that phone call that comes in from the number or the person that, ah, I just can't miss this one. And it just takes you away. I think about the first thing, and again, this is one of those things that kind of stretches across, and we'll get to this um, across generations, but in every generation of life that I've ever worked with from like a ministry perspective or just doing life with people, the first thing, and, and we would probably all agree on this, when we get busy, like, what's the first thing that goes? Quiet time, reading scripture, prayer, right? Like, those are the first things that kind of get pushed to the side. So, actually, Michael Zigarelli, who is a, um, he, he's a professor, but he did this study. They surveyed 20,000 Christians, and they did this obstacles to growth survey, and this is what he said. He said, it may be the case that Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. And then the cycle begins again. And I don't know about you, but whenever I read that, I relate with it. And the thing that jumps out to me, the, some of the words that he uses, whenever you look at that, and it talks about becoming more marginalized, a deteriorating relationship, even more vulnerable, more conformity. All of these things are words that speak not to these huge events, but more to this slow fade that happens over time, right? And so in today's world, and I actually didn't even bring my phone up here, but um, I think our phones have a lot more to do with that than anything. Did you guys know? So actually, toss me, Taylor, toss me my phone right there. So, okay, let's talk for a second. Let's have a little audience interaction. How much time do you think you spend on your phone in a day? What's that? An hour. So you think you spend an hour on your phone? Throughout a whole day, an hour? Three hours, four hours? Three, four hours, two hours. Okay, so did you know that you actually can go into the settings now that Apple's made it, and you can actually set it as like your home screen? You can put on your phone this thing that tracks how much time you've spent on your phone. So if you're, go, go to your settings. If you have an Apple, I don't, 
Taylor, you have an Android. I don't even know how to tell you to do this. I'm sorry. But go to your, go to your settings right now. And then go into, there's going to be in the second little block there, this thing called screen time. And if you click that on, it's going to give you a daily average. What's... Two hours and 50 minutes, right? So it's like, I think I spent an hour on my phone. Two hours and 50... And I'm not, I'm not making fun of you. I, I, today, I spent two hours and 22 minutes on my phone today, and I was intentionally trying not to because I knew I was getting up here and doing this illustration. And I still spent nearly two and a half hours on my phone, right? And... That, so, okay, so maybe you're thinking right now, like, okay, so we put together this whole night, so all of us will use our phones less. All right, this is, this is the whole thing. While I do think that we would all benefit greatly if that one thing happened tonight, that is not the whole purpose for tonight. I do want to use that as an illustration because what we're going to talk about tonight are these things that we can easily just mindlessly drift into. Right? None of us set out and think, I'm going to spend 12 hours a week on Instagram. But then you get to scrolling, and then you go click that little thing that tells you how much time you've actually spent on these apps, and you would be shocked at the amount of time. And that just creates even more that, that busyness, that hurry, that distraction. Because the thing is, so and I'm, I'm going to read just a quick excerpt from this book that I think is a good jumping off point for us. So this is a conversation that John Mark Comer, the author, recalls between one of his mentors and his mentor's mentor. So his mentor is a guy named John Ortberg, and his mentor's mentor was Dallas Willard. So he recalls this conversation. He says, John calls up Dallas to ask for advice. It's the late 90s, and at the time, John was working at Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago, one of the most influential churches in the world. John himself is a well-known teacher and best-selling author, the kind of guy you figure pretty much has apprenticeship to Jesus down. But behind the scenes, he felt like he was getting sucked into the vortex of megachurch insanity. I could relate. So he calls up Willard and asks, what do I need to do to become the me I want to be? There's a long silence on the other end of the line. According to John with Willard, there's always a long silence on the other end of the line. Then you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Can we just stop for a minute and agree that's brilliant? John then scribbles that down in his journal. Sadly, this was before Twitter. Otherwise, he would have broken the internet. Then he asks, okay, what else? Another long silence. Willard says, there is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. I don't know about you, but the first time I read that line, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. The first time I heard that, I'm going to be honest, I was a little bit skeptical. I was reading it in the midst of this book, and so he's already painting a pretty good picture. He's building a good case for it. But also, I'm like, the great enemy? Come on. Like, that's a, like, I don't know exactly what I would state it to be, but do I really think that it's hurry. But the more that we dive into this, I think that he's onto something there. And I want to focus on three 
points tonight that are made throughout the beginning of the book to really paint why this is such a problem. Why does this really, why is this really the great enemy of the spiritual life? And I think the first thing is, is that this hurry, and again, remember the definition we talked about, kind of a catch-all, but hurry is the enemy of attention. So again, we're going to talk about three things. It's the first. Hurry is the enemy of attention. Think about it. What was the thing that we all agreed on, right? First thing to go when you get to hurrying, you stop giving attention to your relationship with God. I, I'm guilty of it. I'll be the first one to admit that that's the case. And I want to read this one quote, and then I actually want to give you guys a minute to talk at your tables about this. Yes, we're going to get to know each other a little more tonight. We're going to have some conversation. It's not just going to be me lecturing. Um, but So this quote right here, and this is from Ronald Rollheiser, and just, just take this in for a minute, and then again, we're going to have a discussion. But it says, we, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It is not that we have anything against God, depth, and spirit. We would like these. It is just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, and more interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, and the shopping mall, and the fantasy life they produce in us than we are in church. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. Anyone relate with that? Anyone, like, when you read that, you're just like, oh, I just read my mail. Right? Amen. Um, and so here's what I want to do before we go any further. I want you, with, with the people at your table, to talk about this question. How do you see hurry affecting you spiritually? Not the people around you. Let's make this personal. Let's focus on you. That's why that's bold and underlined there, right? Emphasis. How do you see hurry affecting you? All right. Let's kind of start uh, coming back to the, the conversation. I, I know I sat down for a minute with this table here and... Taylor, do you want to share briefly what you just talked about? I think it was a good, good point <laughs> about the, yeah, God not being in like 15 minutes of the day. And can you guys all hear him? Do I need to hand him the microphone?
I, I just really liked whenever the, the way that he said that, and I think we kind of had some conversation around the table of like, yeah, that, that, there's something there, you know? Anybody else have something they want to share or encourage someone at your table to share, you know? You may have thought it was better than they did. They just said it. Okay. And that's, that's challenging because when you think about that and you're like, think of bedtime as this goal of like, if I can just get the kids to sleep, then it's quiet. You know, like, <laughs> um, I mean, I have a five-month-old, like, it's, you know, it's like we can get him to bed and then we can watch like one show. We've been on a Survivor kick lately. We can watch one show of Survivor and then, we, and then we're going to bed. <laughs> Um, and I'm convinced I'm going to be on Survivor one day. Haven't applied, but maybe. Um, anyways, that's a whole side note. Uh, anything else? Anybody? That's really good. So, so on, on that note, um, and I think kind of what, what Taylor touched on, and even with, with Justin, like that with, with your kids, relationships and in, in really intimacy and intimacy and relationships really take an incredible amount of like time and focus and, and energy. It doesn't just happen like by, by happenstance, right? And I think about our relationship with God and this idea of hurry being an in, the enemy of attention. When we stop giving our attention to God, and this is kind of, these three points are going to build on each other because when we stop giving that attention to God, we, we disrupt that intimacy there because we're not giving that focus. We're not giving that time. I think about with, with my wife, and we've been married for, for four years, and Lauren and I, like, it's still, like, to this day, we're, we have to be intentional to really have conversation and to really set that time aside and then to try to continue that throughout the day hey what's going on how are you what like you know and then to talk about more than like how was your day how was copeland's day like to really dive into more depth there it really takes like a level of intentionality to really think through okay what's something that would be a, a thoughtful question more than just how was your day you know and and so anyways uh Going on from there, so John Oberg had this quote. He said, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre, mediocre version of it. Sorry, uh, We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. And <laughs> that is I feel like where I end up so often on that skimming my life instead of actually 
living it. I don't know if any of you can can relate with that, but when I when I read that, um, it just kind of put it in a different perspective to me because we think about these big moments. We, you know, especially in our day and age, we hear of people renouncing their faith with a regularity that's incredibly alarming, and and that is something that is obviously incredibly heartbreaking and sad and um, is a reality for some people, but for most of us, that's not where we're going to end up. Where we're going to end up without focus and attention is at this place where we're just living this mediocre, kind of casual Christian life. And I, I think about a story whenever I was in I was in college, and a friend of mine who was on staff with the church and was an ordained pastor with this church, and we were, we were in classes together, and there was this girl in class who we had had maybe three classes with at this point, and there was one day where we, we got put on, like, lockdown. I think it was weather-related, and someone said his name, and they said, hey, you're a pastor. Pray for us. And this girl who had spent now multiple semesters with, with us said, I would have never known you were a pastor. And he laughed and joked about it, and, like, and, and we did also. And then we walked away from that moment, and I was like, and that's kind of, not even kind of, that's heartbreaking, right? Like there's nothing about our lives that speak to we live differently, we do something different. And I think that that's where we, can, can run into, and that gets us to the next thing, is that hurry is the enemy of peace and joy, is the way that I put it on here, but you could actually say like the fruits of the Spirit. I think that hurry is actually the enemy of, I mean, think of all of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, patience, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control, now think of hurry in all of those and be like, does hurry make me more gentle, kind, self-controlled? Like, no, right? They're almost like antithetical of one another. I mean, when you think about joy, I, a lot of people would agree that if there's any secret to, let's say, like happiness in, in a moment or joy, it really is simple in its presence to that moment, right? It's really being present. When you think about the times in your life that like were the most joyful, when you think about those moments where you're like belly laughing and you're with friends and you're like, man, this is like what kingdom living is. You're not on your phone. You're not worried about the thing that's coming tomorrow once you get to work. You are present in that moment. And we rush through life so often and we forget that, like, these things that we really want in life, these things that we really desire are just completely incompatible with this busyness, with this hurry and rushing through life. Walter Adams, who was a spiritual director to C.S. Lewis, so you know he knew something, um, said, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. Hurry is the death of prayer. When I think about that and I think about what prayer leads to in our lives, 
and that connection and that intimacy with God and that overflowing of the fruits of the Spirit, if there's something that impedes that, it has to go. There's no other option for us as believers because if the fruit, if we aren't producing the fruits of the Spirit, if, that, if, if spiritual fruit is not being produced, then I think we could make the case that love isn't being modeled in our lives. And that's the next thing is that, and this is the third thing. So we have the enemy of attention, enemy of peace and joy, you could say fruits of the Spirit, and the enemy of love. And I think that this is both love of God, which we've kind of touched on tonight, and love of people. And I mean, what is the highest value in Christ's kingdom economy? In Matthew 22, 36 through 40, what, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love. And... I think about 1 Corinthians, Paul writing about love. What is the first thing love is? Patient. Love is patient. Do, do we see the issue here of like what hurry does to our souls and our love of God, but then also it leads to our, our love of people, our love of one another? If we just rush through life, rush through life, we miss the, the good stuff, the stuff that really matters. And so, um, there, a Japanese theologian who I, I will try to say his name, Kazuki Kayama, close enough, um, wrote this, this book, and it was actually a book that was a, a combination of like... Um, letters that he wrote, but one of them was this three-mile-an-hour God, and in that, he, he has this quote. He said, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It's an inner speed. It's a spiritual speed. It's a different kind of speed from the technolo technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, yet it is Lord over all other speeds since it is the speed of love. And there's something about when you read that that you're like, that has to be, like, that has to be right. There's another um, story that I've, I've heard told about Dallas Willard when someone asked him, you know, what's one word that you would use to describe, like, the character of Jesus that maybe we wouldn't think of? And they say that he sat back and thought for a second. He was like, relaxed. And I, I couldn't argue, you couldn't argue with that, right? Like, when you read about these interactions of Jesus and that Jesus always had, he was so attentive to a moment. You think about the woman who touches the hem of his garment. He's so attentive to this moment and he's not just looking to the next thing, but he stops, pulls himself back. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who, who touched me? And I think about that, again, that speed of, of love, of really caring for someone and I think of Jesus on, like, the road to Emmaus, which 
would have loved to be a part of that. Jesus starts in the Old Testament. It's like, let me tell you how the scriptures all point to me. Like, <laughs> would have been great. But anyways, um, when I think about that in our modern world, because it says that Jesus walks up beside them. Hey, what are y'all talking about? And I just picture this in our modern world. If you're like walking and Jesus walks up beside you, what are you talking about? Oh, you haven't seen the news? And like, you just look back down reading. Oh, you didn't, you're not on social media? And he's like, no, like what's going on? And I feel like we would be so distracted. And I get that I'm, I'm again, that's not exactly what that, that verse, is, that text is saying right there. But I just think about that interaction of they didn't know who this guy was. When are we, when am I attentive enough to a moment that if someone walks up to me, that I'm not so distracted, so busy with what I have going on with what's next, that I would walk with them and talk with them long enough that they could go through the entire Old Testament with me like, and tell me how this pointed to King Jesus. Like that wasn't a slow conversation or that wasn't a short conversation, right? That wasn't a rushed thing. So anyways, that's, so then I, I think this also affects our love of people. I mean, Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another in John 13, 35. So like love is important, right? Like we would all agree with that. And then James wrote that if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about physical needs, what good is it? And I'm like, but, but James, what if I'm busy? Right? Like it's... But, but what if I'm busy and we don't build, and we just talked about mental margin at our table actually, and we were, we were talking about how, and the moms specifically at the table were like, I need some mental margin in my life to be able to even slow down, and, which I thought was great, talking about like the mental margin and the mental piece of that. But I also think about like our lives of, do we leave any margin in our life for interruption? Do we? I don't. I rush from one thing to the next and like, I mean, Taylor and I, like, we'll get uh, coffee or lunch or something downtown all the time. And I just think about like the people that come up and, you know, may ask you for something. And it's like, even if we're, you know, again, we're together, we're talking about scripture and Jesus and following Jesus. And we'll be like, oh, here's like five bucks or whatever. And then, but you just, we're so on to the next thing that actually sitting down and talking with someone and saying, hey, why don't you come in and I'll, grab, I'll, I'll pay for you a meal and sit and talk for a minute. That sounds terrifying. Let's be honest, right? Like that sounds terrifying and also sounds like it would disrupt my entire day. And then I'd be working into the night and all of this. And it's because we don't have margin in our lives, right? We're in this thing that sociologists and psychologists are calling hurry sickness. So actually this book came out like right before um, the pandemic started and he, he said that sociologists are calling this the epidemic of the modern world. Hurry sickness. Which there's some irony to then, you know, we have a, a real uh, pandemic going on. So maybe that statement didn't, didn't age well. But um, the definition of hurry sickness is a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. 
continual rushing and anxiousness. And I just look around at like our culture and I mean, my wife and I, we, we lived for a year in New York City in Queens and I look at it there, but it's not just there. Like we try to say like, oh man, the big city, like you're just, you know, rushing and you don't have time for anything. And while there is some elements of that that are, that are true, I think it's just as true right here in Shreveport Bossier as it is in Queens. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, so I want to go through real quick 10 symptoms, and this is, we're going to wrap up here, but 10, 10 symptoms of hurry sickness. And we're going to go through this quickly, and then Weston's going to come up and talk about now that we understand what the problem is, what do we do with that? Where do we go from here? Um, and so these 10 symptoms of hurry sickness. And again, just kind of listen to these and think, man, I, I, I relate with that. And I think all of us, I, I'm probably like 10 for 10 on this. Um, but irritability, just overly, you get quickly like mad, frustrated, annoyed way too easily. Hypersensitivity, minor comments just hurt your feelings. Uh, this one was an example in the book that got me. A single email sets you off and like ruins your whole day. That got me. There's one person in my office that every time I get an email from them, it could be just one email and I'm like, I'm done. Um, restlessness. When you actually try to slow down, you can't even relax. Workaholism. Workaholism or just nonstop activity, you don't know how to stop. Emotional numbness, you don't have the capacity to feel another's pain. I think that, for me, goes back to that speed of love. You don't have the capacity to even feel someone else's pain or even your own pain. I, I could give examples of that. I, I won't for the sake of time, but... Um, Emotional numbness and just hurrying through life and just the damage that it's doing to us because it's going to catch up eventually. Uh, out of order priorities, disconnected from identity and calling, get sucked into the tyranny of the urgent, not the important. Get sucked into the tyranny of the urgent, the not important. That right there, I think, probably hits all of us. Um, lack of care for your body, so no time for the basics. I think it's funny that he put eight hours of sleep in here. I'm like, who gets eight hours of sleep? <laughs> that sounds awesome. Um, but eight hours of sleep, daily exercise, healthy food, minimal stimulants, margin, escapist behaviors, too tired to do what's actually life-giving. We turn to distraction of choice. He uses overeating, overdrinking, binge-watching Netflix, browsing social media, etc., Number nine, slippage of spiritual disciplines. We've talked about that. And then 10, isolation. We feel disconnected from God, others, and even our own soul. And to wrap this up, so John Ortberg said this quote. He said, hurry is not just a disordered schedule. Hurry is a disordered heart. And when I think about that, I just go back to that hurry robs us of the most important things in life. The spiritual, like what we talked about of the fruit of the spirit, of love for God, love for ourselves, love for people. How do we show love to a world that we're just hurrying past, right? Like this, this actually does matter. And so we're about to talk again 
for a minute amongst our group. But before we do, I want to challenge you with something that um, I've kind of been trying to do lately, and, I, and I'm, I'm way away. I, I need to definitely do this better. But something that I've been challenged with lately is doing a time and influence audit. And I say time and influence because we have a lot of things that we spend time to, and I think we forget that where that time goes, also influence comes from. So the amount of time that you spend on social media, sure, it can be the escapist behavior that we talked about, but also there's things that you're seeing on social media that are indirectly influencing you. I think about like news sources that we check. Think about the podcast that we listen to. You can get so heavily weighted on one side of something that, you know, if you're only hearing one thing from one source, well, how much time are these things, how are you spending in these areas, and then how are they influencing you? I would challenge each and every one of us, and again, it's not something you're going to do in a day, maybe not even in a week, but intentionally spend some time auditing your life. Use the app on the phone that tells you how much time you spend on each app, but don't just say, oh, I spent two hours on Facebook. What did I spend two hours on Facebook looking at, and what is that actually doing to my soul? What's that influence? Oh, I spent four hours on, you know, the whatever news app. Like, that will drive you crazy right there. <laughs> you don't need to go any further. Uh, you spend 40 minutes on an app. You're like, like and, and start limiting those things. And so, again, I just want to encourage each person to do that. But right now, let's have a conversation about how we see hurry physically affecting our family in a negative way. So the last conversation we had about ourselves, and, it, and I think we even got into a little bit of family there, but let's take a few minutes, talk about that, and then Weston's going to come up and give us all the answers, solve all of our problems right here.